Welcome to the FFI Practitioner Podcast. I'm Jordan Rich. Today, an opportunity to meet with three experts will be delivering a virtual panel discussion at the FFI 2021 Global Conference on October 19th. The presentation is entitled Managing Ethical Dilemmas in Family Business, an important topic for sure. Our guests today include Rania Labaki, head of EDIC, the Family Business Research Center, Wendy Ulashek, a licensed psychologist with a specialization in organizational systems and behavior, and senior lecturer in ethics and public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, Christopher Robichaud. My first question is for Rania. To begin our discussion, let's talk about the importance of ethics in the field of family enterprise. Absolutely. Family businesses are very special organizations. They are, you know, characterized by the uh, intersection and the interaction between the family and the business, and this adds a layer of complexity to ethical dilemmas. Uh, Looking at the literature, we uncovered the need Uh, for more research, but also for best practices and even educational programs on ethics uh, and family business. So together with uh, Chris and Wendy, we came up with a session uh, that we presented at the FFI conference last year, where we introduced the topic and we shared insights based on our research and practice. And that's where the the story started. And interestingly, uh, we realized by doing polls during this session that most of the uh, advisors uh, already encountered uh, ethical dilemmas in their practice and they felt different kinds of emotions. They felt anxious, they felt fear, guilt, shame, and they also felt very responsible to address those dilemmas. However, what we realized that the minority of them did not have a clear idea of how to address them. And I'm sure, you know, Wendy, you can add to this because we did also a pre-poll to, to the session. Absolutely, Rania. We, we asked the FFI attendees before our session, when you think about ethics in family business, what first comes to mind? And so the responses that we found, Jordan, included the following words such as responsibility, values, integrity, trust, legacy, not abusing power, transparency, honesty, a sense of the other. And one of our favorites, do what you say and say what you do. Meaning, in other words, having consistency and reliability between your words and your behavior or your actions. Mm -hmm. Conversely, we also heard words such as power abuse and, and the negative affective words that Ronnie had just mentioned, such as guilt, and even criminal families were some of the words that we heard from our attendees. Christopher, there's a great intersection here. Explain further, if you would. Uh, One of the things that we're noticing more and more, which I think is healthy and good, is more families wanting to have conversations about ethical conflicts and dilemmas in their family. Uh, More consultants also wanting some advice on how to tackle this. And I think that partly that's because what we're seeing now more and more of are families sometimes quite publicly grappling with past wrongdoing from family members, uh, egregious moral wrongdoing, them now having to come to terms with that. And also, of course, there are a few morality details of our current uh, day. Stepping back and building a little bit off of what what Wendy was just pointing to, which is the, the, the ideas that people talk about when they talk about this responsibility, values, integrity, Uh, What we can offer at times is some insight into how to think about those a little bit more. And the last thing I'll just say on this count is 
One of the things that we think uh, is really important for families to wrestle with more openly and for consultants to be more comfortable talking about are the inevitable conflicts of values that emerge within, uh, within a family. And I can say more at some point about those conflicts because I think they're really interesting and really important and they resist uh, e easy uh, diagnosis and so far as, you know, follow these three easy steps and you too will, uh, <laughs> e you know, uh, straightforwardly resolve all of your, uh, all of your value conflicts in your family right. enterprise. Doesn't, doesn't work like that. Well, let's focus a bit on the impact that an ethical dilemma, and I'll put that in quotes, can have, because let's talk in concrete terms. How can things spiral out of control if not checked? Well, if, you know, we know that our, our research shows cognitive barriers to how people assess situations, and research can show that denial is one of the cognitive barriers that we need to surmount as, as human beings and when we're put into unpredictable situations. So for example, we know that it can start slowly, unethical behavior can start slow and it can be a slippery slope, Jordan. So it's important to begin early and to be analyzing as clearly as, and concisely as possible the situations where you have that value conflict. We had, we had a case where uh, the next generation began working as operating owners in a family business, and they put forth an aspirational value statement, mission statement for their business. Well, when, we, when they went to the business, to their executives to present this value and mission business statement, it was met with derision and some cynicism. And the employees said, this is not what we're living on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. within this family business. And so now we're working with the next generation to say, your work now is to close that gap between what's aspirational in, in your values and what you're seeing day-to-day -day in, your, in your corporate environment. To build on what Wendy said regarding, you know, the appraisal process, the cognitive process, there are also emotions that might emerge and this emotion can also play out uh, given, you know, how the next generation can feel about the wrongdoing, uh, even in the past, not necessarily the current wrongdoing, and how the next generation can take some actions to deal with it. For instance, our research shows that uh, next generation members can feel guilty for misbehaviors of the past generation depending on the level of identification to the family business. So interestingly, uh, the more identified they are, the less guilty they feel, which actually refers to what Wendy was saying regarding you know, this denial process. And the less identified they are, the more guilty they will feel. And accordingly, they will engage in you know, constructive actions like, you know, Apologies, uh, reparation, compensations to you know to deal with this uh, with this ethical dilemma. So emotions are also important, and uh, negative emotions can play you know a positive uh, role uh, during this process. One of the issues, I guess, in the training that you're providing is is helping advisors notice things before they blow up and bubble up. Christopher, you want to comment on the kinds of things that advisors should be aware of early on? And I'll have Wendy comment on this as well. Right. So I think that uh, Wendy will give you a more, more psychological profile of, of what to look for. Uh, what I will say that's very much in concert with what we've heard from Wendy and Rania and I deal with this in the professional space of ethics all the time, is often the, the, the ethical dilemmas of the past are, are the things that folks go out of their way not to talk about. 
Uh, they are, uh, they're the, you know, you notice a lot of behavior in which folks will allude, perhaps point to in passing, but it's, uh, it's just not, uh, it's just not there until, until it is there. And so some of the work that we are trying to equip consultants with uh, being able to be better at is managing the dilemmas that suddenly emerge front and center. So just to give you an example of this, and then maybe Wendy can talk about how you sort of excavate other ones. But sometimes there's no excavation needed. And what a, a consultant will face is a family that's in crisis. And the crisis it looks uh, uh, lots of different ways. Here's one example of a crisis that we're seeing more and more of. We are living in a very polarized age, um, both uh, domestically in the United States and internationally as well. There's tremendous political divides, and those political divides spill over into families. Now, here's a family that you know, puts a high premium on its members being able to speak their mind and have their, you know, have their beliefs and be open about it. But we're also living in an age where you can speak your mind quite publicly using any range of, uh, of resources on the, uh, on the Internet. And so there have been some instances in which some family members have spoken their mind on political matters um, and others have been like, what are you doing? Uh, we don't, you know, you represent this family enterprise. And then there's the additional problem that sometimes the business might suffer because of this. And now the family has to come together and say, all right, how do, how do, we, how do we resolve this? We want everyone to be able to speak their mind, uh, but we also want to have a well-functioning business. And, uh, and there might be some instances in which we have to, you know, make some hard choices about what we think is and is not permissible to say quite publicly. Now, that's just, you know, that's not unique. We're seeing more and more of those sorts of things. And, uh, and so this is an example, I'll just give you of one where the, uh, the ethical trade-offs suddenly land right in your lap. Mm. And uh, often you have to address them in real time. Let's talk further about things that you need to be wary of if you're an advisor, what to look for. There's pieces to look at individually and then from a systems organizational perspective. So in our leadership work with families around the globe, we're thinking about how are they acting as and behaving as leaders, as models of behavior, as well as how are they setting up the system, the organizational system. And we because we know that research shows that um, leaders can inadvertently set up an incentivized system for unethical behavior. And that happens when there's excessive competition, comparison between peers. You can think of the impact that that has on sibling partnerships or cousins who are working together in operations. So we want to be watchful of that. In our work, we also want to be thinking about what is the purpose, because the purpose of the family enterprise, because as an impact of unethical behavior, we often see cynicism and apathy and lack of engagement setting in in, in future generations. So as we work with the next generation, we want to have these multi-generational conversations within the family across branches who oftentimes are geographically dispersed around the world, talk about cultural differences that Rania was mentioning, and come together, bring those family members in alignment with, with what is the purpose of the work that we're doing? What are our values? Reassess and redefine those so that it combats that apathy or combats that learned helplessness that we often see set in when people are faced with egregious unethical behavior from the past. And I don't know what to do with that. Mm. You know, members will come to us and say, what do we do about this? How do we fix this? Can we do anything? Or worse yet, they can come in with cynicism and say, yes, I'm on the payroll, but I've given up. 
I can't change the system. I'm going to go fishing or sailing instead. And so it can often lead to worse unethical behavior, more unethical behavior. So our work is both individual and and organizational in nature. And in the course that we're setting forth is to support family business advisors as they approach these issues. Can we just examine for a second the differences between the older or previous generation and the current one? There are obviously generational, cultural and social differences to take into account. It's interesting that you asked that question because one of the responses that that Rania, Chris, and I received prior to the FFI session in 2020 was profit with purpose. You know, so we see this kind of um, change and evolution in thinking in our next generations and in challenging, challenging the system to be thinking about how can we have both profit and and purpose. Chris, do you have other uh, pieces to add to that? Uh, Anecdotally, but it's anecdotal coming off of 15 years of of teaching the younger generation, I can say that maybe maybe not the the group that are in their their, their 40s and 50s, which includes me, but but certainly the generation that's coming on through now 20s and 30s and early 40s have uh, much stronger commitment, in my view, to uh, confronting ethics. That's the way I would put it. I mean, everyone sort of has strong, strong ethical beliefs, but this newer generation really is not shy for naming what they consider to be injustice and demanding some kind of uh, uh, effort being made towards making the, the wrong right, if that's even possible. I think that's really healthy. I think that's really important. I also think it's very messy. And again, there's no not a one-size-fits-all strategy on, on how to do that. But what we are seeing for sure is generationally a generation that's demanding us look more carefully at what the injustices are that still exist and, and, and inviting us to uh, and inviting us to make some some progress on them. This is not a generation that is satisfied with what has been done in the past. It wants to do better uh, going forward. Rania, do you have a, a comment on where we are and where we're going generationally? I totally, you know, agree with what Chris and Wendy said, and I would add to it uh, an environmental component. So uh, what we are seeing actually is that the next generation is very concerned about the climate change, and this could be the object of ethical dilemmas in the family business as well. Mm. So uh, recently, through my research, I have been realizing that, you know, the next generation is more inclined into pushing, you know, the business strategy towards, you know, these environmental um, uh, responsibility, whereas, you know, the senior generation has not been very keen on doing that. Of course, all family businesses are not homogeneous, but there is this need also for the next generation to seek legitimacy by dealing with those ethical dilemmas from an environmental perspective. I want to just talk briefly about how the communication can improve in a family, what work the advisors can do to bridge those divides and at least get people talking again. Uh, Wendy, what do you think? Uh, Communication, trust, transparency, all of those are rolled together, Jordan. And, And a critical part of our work is setting up the governance structures and policies that will enable family members to communicate more easily, to have a process by which they know how to express themselves, to have a forum to come together, not just as business partners, but as family members. As Rania said at the very beginning of the session, you know, we're working with people who are at the intersection of family business and ownership. Those leaders have so much pressure on them and so much complexity 
different systems that they're juggling at the same time and balancing the needs and, and desires and, and aspirations of. And so it's super critical to have those governance structures and policies set into place and to be clear about them and to revisit them, not just once. Um, I was working with an educational initiative with a large uh, family, global family, and, and they said, we have these wonderful assemblies. We come together once a year we hear we hear the news, the updates, but we need to revisit it more mm -hmm. often. And and now, due to the pandemic, actually a positive outcome is that we're using hybrid sessions. So we're virtually meeting with families. We're um, it, nothing takes takes place of of meeting in person, of course, but having a hybrid whereupon people, next generation members who are busy with their own careers at times, their own families can can take the time to virtually join and um, understand what's happening at the enterprise level. So that communication is really key. How important is it for families to consider documenting their, their tenants, their ideals, their ethical goals? I think it's very important because it, it, it commits them to something, even if it is a, just a commitment on paper. Uh, it's something to refer back to. Uh, what Wendy was mentioning earlier, which is to, to remind, especially complicated large systems, what is your purpose? What did you agree to uh, on, the, on the front end of this? But I want to complicate that a little bit as well. I think that one of the ways to facilitate, one of the many ways to facilitate conversations in a family is through uh, ongoing educational initiatives that, that include uh, cases and include, and this is an evangel of mine, so I might as well acknowledge it, and include, uh, and include sim simulations. And the, the cases aren't directly about the family. The simulation is not directly about the family. But the thing is, when you have a good case that you can go to family and talk about, when you put them through an interesting simulation, what often will then happen is a conversation will emerge about the case or the simulation that then makes it much easier to transition to a, the, the more difficult and more challenging conversation of looking, or let's take what we've learned here and let's now turn it uh, into, the, uh, into the perspective of the family. Last thought on this is often I will run simulations, speaking to the, the Constitution part, Often I'll run simulations in a lot of different contexts. And what I'll just start with is saying, look, write down what your core values are, what your core commitments are, you know, just write them down. Now we go through a simulation. Now look back at what you just wrote down. Uh, how much do you agree? And how much do you disagree? And folks will be like, oh gosh, you know, I thought I was completely committed to honesty, but in the simulation, I was perfectly fine engaging in some deception mm -hmm. for, for this other good. My point here is just that um, a constitution is essential, but it's only going to get you so far. Cases, simulations, and further conversations are going to reveal the difference between descriptive values and what Wendy was talking for, about before, uh, aspir aspirational values. In addition to using Chris's simulations, we often use leadership coaching. And during that coaching, we're doing situational analyses that are coming up day to day for those leaders in those complex systems to analyze what what were the triggers how did you how did you react and what could have been done better and so it's it's the similar way it's it's adult learning and how do we learn best we learn by experience and analyzing the situations as soon as possible uh, that we're in and that we find ourselves to correct those cognitive distortions that are that we are all susceptible to as well as to Rania's point the the impact of the negative affect mm. that we feel when we're faced with uncomfortable situations and difficult conversations. And actually, we will be using some of these methodologies in our education session at FFI, uh, you know, 
the next conference in mm-hmm. October. So we will be using a real case uh, that we will uh, be uh, working on with the advisors and we will also suggest that they reflect on their own experience. So we can also build on this to to have better practices um, going on. What I would also like to add is on the communication side. Um, Wendy mentioned digitalization and the hybrid forms of communication. And I would like to emphasize based on research uh, I've been doing also the importance of digitalization in helping the next generation express their emotions and even their opinions re- regarding the ethical dilemmas that they are you know observing in the family business which maybe they would be hesitating to do so when they are meeting in person so we need also to leverage that uh, to improve communication and one last point uh, to build on what Chris was saying regarding the constitution, it's also important to involve and to engage the next generation in writing or updating mm-hmm. the constitution so they don't have just, you know, to abide by what the senior generation has, you know, written, but also bring their own perspective and especially add, you know, insights and, you know, suggestions uh, when it comes to ethical dilemmas. How do we deal with this uh, uh, in the family. Mm. Let's talk about the role that ethics can and should play in the discussion about legacy, about growing and surviving and thriving as a family, because uh, societies collapse when ethics fall apart. Chris, your thoughts? I think one of the things to me uh, that's really important for families to take into consideration when thinking about ethics and legacy is humility. And I'm going to explain that the following way. What what we learn generation by generation is that what seems entirely morally appropriate or ethically sound to one generation ends up looking quite differently for future generations. That's not meant to be an excuse for past bad behavior that was bad, is bad, will always be bad, and quite frankly, the family knew was bad at the time. But there's also just moral progress, thank goodness, that's made. Morality is not static. And we often describe this in terms of seeing things differently than we did before. So I think one of the things that families need to become comfortable with is humility of their place in time. And even if even if you are getting it right by everyone's lights at this place in time, it's perfectly possible that future generations might look back at some of what you're doing and saying, wow, you know, you didn't see this and maybe you should have. And so I think that that humility is really important guiding principle in, in, in moving forward, trying to get it right, but also recognizing at no point in time have we probably all, uh, figured all all the moral truths out. Wendy? I, I would just add to what Chris has said and go back to that purpose of the family remaining together in business. I really see that um, in working with the next generation members, some of them, some of whom are struggling with what, how do I identify with the enterprise and, and does it depict uh, my, my values, my personal values, where is that alignment? And encouraging enterprising families and family business advisors working with them to revisit those issues because they're really fundamental. Um, and Jordan, as we said earlier, that trust, communication, and transparency are so vital to keeping that engagement and keeping the interest of next generations uh, united mm. and and together in and stewarding and interested in stewarding the legacy. 
the long-term orientation is key as well. Uh, the next generation and the senior generation should be, you know, geared towards the future to build that legacy. And for this, they need also to reconsider, you know, the history, what has been done in the past, but also the present and how they want to see the future altogether. And this will also, uh, you know, create some ideas to, to discuss altogether these potential dilemmas and to move forward uh, positively with them and, you know, seek the continuity of the family business. All of you are going to be presenting in October, and we just gave the audience a, a slight taste of it. But uh, I bet you're all excited about this opportunity. Uh, people are usually uh, ears up when you start talking about things that affect life in general. Chris, what's your thought on the upcoming conference? I'm super excited uh, to be a part of it and to work with Rania and Wendy. Ethics is one of those things where, as as you mentioned, Jordan, you know, folks folks want to talk about it, but there's also let's just be honest, there's also some hesitancy. Right. There's also like, what am I getting into with this? Like, oh my goodness, you know, am I going to have to go through confessional? I was raised Catholic, so immediately I turned to <laughs> conversation about ethics. Is like, is there going to be some kind of confessional going on here? Uh, short answer is no, and uh, but the 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 longer answer is us us as uh, as, as advisors becoming more comfortable talking about ethics, talking about different ways of approaching these things, talking about the fact that we we may not get it right all the time. That's going to help families as well when we bring that into consulting with the family. And to me, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of the importance of comfortable and sometimes uncomfortable conversations around ethics is necessary to avoid the problem of not talking about this or only only talking about it once there's a, there's a fire that has to be put out. The feedback that we received last year after the FFI conference session is that our attendees wanted more. If this is giving Rania, Chris, and I an opportunity to dive deeper and, and really work with our attendees in an interactive, supportive fashion about the ethical dilemmas that they are that they are encountering in their work and that we've encountered. Mm. Um, and to work together to process it and figure out how to move these systems, family systems, and guide them forward. Thanks very much to all of you for joining us for this podcast. Thank you very much for bringing us together and uh, for this very insightful conversation. So appreciate the fine panel we had here on the podcast today. And don't forget, you can join the virtual seminar October 19th, part of the FFI 2021 Global Conference. For much more, visit ffi.org. Until next time, this is Jordan Rich on behalf of FFI Practitioner. Be well.